Welcome to It's the Muppet Show podcast. I'm Heather. I'm Jason. Today we're watching season one, episode six, with our very special guest star, Jim Neighbors. This originally aired on September 27th, 1976 in the U.S., in New York specifically. I will uh, add that the U.K. uh, premiere date was September 26th, 1976. So they're starting to line up a little. Oh, it's my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, Jim Neighbors. 1976, I was one, so I didn't catch this one live. I you may, may have, have, but I don't remember. You probably remember did. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly probably was there for it, but I don't remember it. Cool. Uh, uh, so this episode is another one on Disney Plus that has the uh, cultural disclaimer or the, the, the warning. Yep. Includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and they're wrong now. Uh, it's so something that I saw on the internet. Uh, that I thought was actually really cool and kind of put these um, disclaimers in perspective uh, was this author. Uh, his name is Andrew P. Street. Um, he's uh, based in Australia in Sydney. Um, he was a music writer for a long time. I think he still is. Uh, anyway, so he was talking about how he interviewed uh, Brian Eno a bunch of years ago. And uh, one of the things that Brian Eno said about streaming music really stuck with him. Uh, was that Brian's daughter? Were, daughters were listening to uh, stuff streaming and uh, it was all sorts of eras without any idea of genre or timeline or context uh, because it's all equally available. Right. Everything is in the present. Sure. Yep. So you're not watching this like we're watching this from the perspective of yes, we watched this in the, 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 in the 70s and like the 80s, and so we can put that into our own personal timeline. Right. But to a kid coming into this or a young adult coming into this, this is now. Right. Everything is, like, out of time. Which I think is a very cool thing to be like, okay, like, we understand that the Muppets are culturally um, important and we don't want to take those things away from it. But we also need to acknowledge that this was a different time. Well, you I do think need to understand that, like, this was the 70s and things were different. Right. Uh, it's. Well, I think that's why they chose to... A, still make it available because mm-hmm. people have been asking for it or wanting it for yep. a long time. Um, but that's why they put the disclaimer up. So, you know, it can it do exactly what it says, start conversations. Like, and yep. hopefully, you know, it does just that. And, you know, it, it, it is kind of like weird to see some of this stuff or hear some of this stuff with, you know, today's uh, lens on it, you know. Yeah. I think it's important. It is I think important. it's important to see see both of those things. And I just thought that he, uh, you just look him up, Andrew P. Street. It was, uh, there's more to that statement, but it just talks about everything being in the present and just kind of putting that context and putting that timeline in place. And I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really good take on it. It's like, we're not a hysterical cancel society. We are actually just trying to put our culture in a timeline. Right, right. Which is kind of hard to do sometimes, for sure. Yeah. You know? Um, but well, what do you remember about Jim Neighbors? Uh, so I grew up definitely watching the Andy Griffith show like a right. lot. Absolutely. Um, so I Same. totally remember the Gomer Pyle character. Sure. Um, he he was that tip like that constant guest star, you know, Love Boat and he, Carol Burnett, like all of these. Like he, he was, just always was appeared. He must have been super fun to work with, I imagine, just because he just he shows up everywhere. He really does. He really does. I, I seem to remember. I mean, he had a 
uh, a musical career on top of acting, and I seem to remember my grandparents having sure. like one of or more of his albums. Mm -hmm. You know, they're uh, of a type for yeah, sure. Yeah. Something that you know older people would have been listening to in, yeah. the, in that at that time. It's uh, like uh, show tunes and opera, and uh, you know. Yeah, he's got a really beautiful like voice. Stuff. Yeah, he's got a voice. Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> it's one of those things. Like it's those funny things where you like you play. He plays this like hick character. Yeah. He's from what Arkansas or I something? Think Alabama. Alabama. Um, so you just kind of like typify him. You stereotypes are wrong, but. Yep. And there's definitely <laughs> a fair amount of that in this this episode. Not the, not the, kind of like wrong stereotyping, but like the. You know, uh, it made me think of Hee Haw again. Mm -hmm. I may bring that up again later, but it's like, maybe it's just like, like that hillbilly humor was like, kind of like a thing. Absolutely. And yeah, and I, know. and I've said it before, I didn't like Hee Haw then. Nope. It, being, you know, very much a New England kid, that stuff didn't like track with me. Sure. And the, yeah. like the hick stereotype just was <clears throat> not something that I got into. Well, it's hillbilly. hillbilly. It's different than hick. Like, we would know from Hicks. True. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I guess the Southern Hick, the, the hillbilly. Yeah, it's different. It's a little uh, different. It's but different. That's, you know, uh, like, as you mentioned, he was on the Andy Griffith Show, uh, which came out in 1960, where he played basically just kind of like a, an awkward uh, bumpkin going yeah. the pile. We'll do this. Uh, it, but the character came so popular he actually got a spin-off show from the Andy Griffith show which I don't remember Gomer watching Pyle USMC which started in 1969 um, where where he starts to hit really hit for me uh, and I wish I remembered him more he was on the Croft Super Show which was um, a Saturday morning uh, TV show which was it, it ran from 76 to 78 but it was definitely in syndication mm -hmm. um, and we talked ABC about this before. And, and yeah, he was the we co-star with Ruth Buzzy with Ruth, on Ruth the Buzzy. Lost Coaster. Uh, Lost, Lost Saucer. Saucer, sorry. Yep. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Fee and Fum were the two androids, and he played the Fum android. And it was described basically as Gomer Pyle in outer space. Yeah. So it's yeah, he, he didn't really, you know, he didn't really go too far out of that character. Uh, as I mentioned, he had a... Recording contract with Columbia Records, which started in 1965. Um, most of his music was, like I said, either romantic ballads or you know, show tunes or whatnot. Um, in later years, uh, if you were a NASCAR or indie fan, he would sing uh, Back Home Again in Indiana at uh, every year's Indie uh, Indy 500 race from 1972 to uh, 2014, which is pretty impressive. And I wonder, so he was really into Hawaii. He ended up moving from Cal uh, he moved from Bel Air to Hawaii uh, in 1976, so around this time. Um, he just wanted to be away from it all in Hawaii, but also that makes me wonder if he was friends with Jimmy Buffett and that whole oh, like. Geez. Um, you know, put that Thomas on. Thompson crew, like, was he him, rolling huh? with those guys? Um, yeah. Uh, I'll mention that, uh, I didn't realize this, nor, I mean, I, 
guess I don't really even pay too much attention to that anyways, or would when I was a kid. He was a semi-closeted performer. Uh, he ended up marrying his partner from the 70s, Stan uh, Calder Waller. <laughs> yeah, that's Cal a hard name. Wall called Walleter. Called Walleter. <laughs> uh, when gay marriage became legal, they went out to Washington and during that kind of like first, I would have cried a lot. First wave of uh, gay marriages. Yeah, I would have cried. I mean, happiness like that's <laughs> just the sweetest thing. Like they've been together since the mid seventies or early seventies. That's adorable. And I guess we haven't really mentioned this in, uh, before, but I mean, he is sadly no longer with us. He passed in twenty seventeen. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess it's a good time to start this. Uh, yeah. Start the episode <laughs> up. We feel like we did a lot of talking. Yes. All right, it's the Muppet Show. It's a pretty standard. Uh, it is the standard opening here. Ah, yep. I'll never the ears ever get tired of it. You know, it does change though, right? Slightly. I think the end of it kind of changes. Yeah, once we like get that, that mark. Uh, yeah, the oh, tiered. No. So when they, I don't know what that thing's called. The facade, the kind of. Coliseum-esque facade. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I don't it, know when that comes in. It moves from, like, the Busby Berkeley sort of tiered mm -hmm. cake look to the uh, lit archways with the Thank characters you. in it. So, uh, Kermit here, uh, beginning here, he introduces Jim. He's being mobbed by the standard Muppet cadre. Oh, the Fozzie jokes uh, in the opening about his... Uh, Oh, his cousin being so thin that he paints his head gold and rents himself out as a flagpole. That's interesting. And Gonzo's gong is missing. Like, the, the O is not filled in, so he just uses his head as a gong. He had no drum head, so he used his own head. The so at the, uh, at the beginning here, we have a weird kind of, like, uh, canon thing where Kermit... Kermit... We have a weird sort of ca canon thing where Kermit mentions the name of the theater that they're playing in. And he mentions that it's the Benny Vandergast Memorial Theater. Hmm. I don't really say that too much no. uh, outside of this episode. Who's Benny Vandergast? Well, we don't know. Really? We don't know. I thought Scooter's uncle owned the theater. He owns the theater, but it's not like it's the his memorial, memorial theater. theater. So the first uh, act here, right off the bat, we have Dr. Teeth and Okay, anytime... He's sparkly as hell in this one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've never really noticed the dangling earring. Mm-hmm. Wow. He always has it. Yep, yep. I notice things. Anytime you have any member or the whole electric mayhem, I'm a happy man. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Teeth, this is, he's doing solo, uh, solo performance here. He's playing the song Money, which is a Stan Freeberg song. It's an older song. It's pretty obscure. But the Muppets do have a, a, a slight history with this song. Uh, Jim performed it on Sam and Friends, which was his hmm. Baltimore show uh, back in the day. And it was Rolf and um, I think Baskerville. I'm not sure on 100% on that, but I believe that was the, the uh, duo. It is, it is just all about money, so I think they're playing oh, yeah, up that so bling, so it's very sparkly. Money, 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 money. I mean, the, the lyrics are great, honestly. And, uh, but the visual gag is uh, on his uh, piano, which he is hammering on. There's a, <laughs> there's like a. He's eating the money. <laughs> he's, he's eating the money, but there's like a, a roulette, uh, no, like a slot machine uh, arm. He's, he's yanking on that bad boy, that one arm bandit. Oh, so we're, ba yeah, we're backstage. He is toweling off. Ooh. 
Tonka thinks he's a hip dude. Yep. And she's like his groupie now. Absolutely. Okay, so this backstage through oh. line. So this is this is the first time Scooter shows up, so this is why you see this out of order. Right. So Scooter's right. been here before, but now he's showing up saying, I'm your new gopher. Right, and that's just because of the weird release order. There was exactly. a production order and a release order. So we've seen Scooter, but this is the first like where he's like, Okay, hey, this he's is He's introducing who I am. himself for the he's first like, time. Yeah, and you know what? His motives are kinda whack. Right off the bat. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's not... way more conniving in this. Yeah, he's like, listen, my uncle owns this place, so I'm pretty Just much really gonna... casually. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't do like me? I... Hey, my uncle owns this place. I'm pretty much going to do what I want. Kermit's like, I don't have enough money for this. I don't even know who you are. And eventually, uh, Scooter ends up uh, getting $30 a week. What? And I just have a quick note. What? What is Scooter? You know what I mean? A man, a, a humanoid. I'm just not. I'm just not sure. He's, He's played by Richard Hunt. He's a fantastic performer. So we have a talking house skit, really fast. Country. Oh no, here we now the we have the introduce. Sorry, go ahead. We have a talking house skit, which was really fast. The punchline was basically one house reveals that his wife has the shingles, and that's basically all the uh, talking houses is just one liner and one liner. Nobody wants to hear stories about you having shingles. I can attest to this. So we have uh, Jim Neighbors here. Classic hee-haw sort of moody hee-haw set. Yep, we got a a little windmill or like a farm windmill and a a fence set up. And he is singing the song Gone with the Wind. And Uh, you, you really get to experience the power of his voice, which is like very impressive. Uh, but also with some some gags. I'm gonna say it's not for everyone. You know, you have no. to really like opera. No, but you can respect the fact like there's a lot of musicians that I don't actually like their singing voice, but I absolutely respect the fact that they are very good at what they do. Right. Yeah. I don't, Jim you know, Neighbors is definitely on that list. Right. And as I get older, I start to appreciate more things like musicals, and mm-hmm. I haven't hit the opera years yet, but. So he's singing the song, like, as, as I mentioned, Gone with the Wind, which has nothing to do with the movie Gone with the Wind. But it is a 1937 song uh, written by Ali Rubel, probably best known for uh, being an Oscar winner for writing Zippity Doodah, an extremely problematic song at this mm-hmm. point. But the visual gag with the Muppets is the wind is blowing so hard, it is blowing this... Uh, his love interest away. His, right. <laughs> She's making some... Okay, the whole set's kind of breaking down at this point. Jesus. Okay. He's he's standing up to the power of the... He's basically battling the wind with his operatic voice. And it's getting, getting pretty um, crazy. I want a Muppet Ranch sign. Yeah, it's pretty hot. Pretty hot collect, collectible mm. there. I will point out that this song was also performed by Guy Smiley. Sesame really? Street huh? And various other Muppets throughout, or Sesame Street characters throughout the. They realize years. that they really like that running gag. Yeah, it's the wind, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like talking about like the blackness of his heart. Like it's a dark song. It really is. <laughs> okay, she's oh. lost her hair and she's out of, and he's and he lost, lost his, his pants. pants. Oh, the classic polka dotted polka dotted under, boxers under drawers. Yeah. That's a that's a classic. Why is that a classic? 
I don't know what the polka dots. Yeah, why is that yeah. a trope? Polka dotted boxers. It is, though. Maybe, ooh, maybe not so much anymore. It's a good sport. It it's a real good singer. Yeah, Statler and Waldorfer, they like him. They seem like he's his a real sort good neighbor. Genre, <laughs> his sort of genre. We got a Muppet News flash. Okay. You're starting to see his eyes more. Oh, he doesn't have the glasses still. No, but still it's no not glasses. like he was really squinty before. Well, it was a hard news day that time, that episode. Okay, oh. and again, this is another Muppet News flash where the guest is involved, okay? This time, okay, they're not going far from the. No, this is a classic Gomer Pyle in that little. Right, right. He, uh, the Muppet newsman interviews Billy Lee Boomer about a flying saucer he sighted at his gas station. Basically, Gomer Pyle. You know what I mean? He's really leaning into that char character. And with the UFO thing, it made me think. Was like, okay, was this like the year it, Close Encounters came out? No, it's or? while he's filming the uh, Lost Saucer. Oh, right, right, right. Because Close Encounters was the next. So the backs were. Backstage again with the with the scooter through line. Scooters bring Kermit his coffee as promised as one of his duties, uh, but spills it on him. Kermit and then makes him like put a act in the show. Strong arming him yeah. again. That he's like, oh well, you know what? My uncle really likes this act. And Kermit's like, um, yeah, let's just let's fine, fine. You've already got thirty dollars a week out. Yeah. This is like the the champion of like the passive aggressive power move. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's you know what it's ugly. It is ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So the act that uh, Scooter was uh, campaigning for, uh, in lieu of his uncle, uh, was is the dance arrows. Which is this? The dance arrows. <laughs> okay. So, what I like now about Jim, or can appreciate more about. The Muppets in general, where they were always trying to do really interesting uh, types of puppetry. Um, it wasn't always like the straightforward, mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, a single hand up, a, up in a puppet, you know. The uh, the Dancero is a pretty complex puppet, yeah. um, and it was actually, uh, I don't know if they used like a sort of like blackout sort mm -hmm. of chroma key thing with him or not. Um, they did that a lot. That was definitely... So uh, the dance arrow is just this pom-pom with four legs, and that's the four legs are where, is where the puppetry is Right, happening. I should have mentioned, that was the skit. Um, they were dancing, the dance arrows were dancing to a song, Black Eyed, Black Eyed Susan Brown, um, which is, again, a pretty obscure song. That type of puppetry is Bun Raku, Bun Raku, mm. and it's the style of puppet that uses a, a chroma key sort of blackout sort of thing. Neat. One last thing about Black-Eyed Susan Brown. Uh, it was the B-side to Sweet Georgia Brown. Huh. Moving on, we have Jim Neighbors and Animal. I didn't realize they call this a blackout scene, where it just goes to, it cuts to black and then opens on like mm. a random Like no no transition. Set. We're right, just right. over here. Yep, Jim tells Animal to break a leg. Animal helps uh, Jim out by smashing him in the leg yeah. misery style with a hammer all right we're yeah. backstage again with scooter we've got george the janitor here you know what george is not going to be strong armed into uh dealing with uh scooter's uncle mm -hmm. george the is roof not leaks the seats are torn the furnace on the fritz yeah george basically starts complaining about the theater immediately until he finds out it's scooter's uncle who's the owner and then he, he's got a different tune 
Yorko's got a good head on his shoulders, unlike most people around here. Uh, and, and then the headless visual goes gag. Back. Yep, headless muppet. In the maroon tuxedo. They love it. <laughs> it's burnt like a wine. Yep. <laughs> so we're at the dance. Classic at the dance. I, I think they should have stuck with that, the dance. I really like it. Yeah. So the main thrust of this one, um, it's the headless body kind of shows up. Oh no, my doctor says I'm getting the Asian flu. Okay, what? To two, take two fortune cookies and he'd call me in the morning. That's uh, that's weirdly that timely. One, that yeah, that's one, one of the terrible jokes. That's the entire reason for the <laughs> disclaimer at the beginning. Yeah, I don't think it was, honestly. <laughs> we, gotta, we have some dicier stuff. <sighs> that, that does seem sort of insensitive right now, too soon. They could... Oh my god, so the headless body is dancing with a... Bodiless woman. Bodiless head. I like it. Visually, I like it. Sattler Waldorf, did they like it? Apparently. They said Muppet 6, audience 0. Fantastic. So we got the UK spot up here. Which is always Rolf! It's not... I know we've said that. Three for three. I tried to argue that it's not. Three for three for Rolf. You will see that it will eventually turn the other way. I don't mind Ralph winning. But in this uh, UK's, I always, I do, I always like Ralph too. Mm -hmm. Pretty music heavy episode too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Ralph and Baskerville again. Possibly because it's the UK spot, they like Baskerville. Um, and they're singing the song Dog Eat Dog, which in the tradition of the Muppets is a heart wrenching song with brutal lyrics that will just. You know, they're hard. Uh, I get the I want to go back there someday vibes yeah. off of this. I just call these the ecstas ecstas oh my gosh. Ecstas existential crisis on a piano right, is, right. is Rolf segments. <laughs> and again, they're just like digging into the music catalog here. This is an extremely obscure song written by Stephen Farron. Um, so Howie probably came up on Jim's radar. Um, he performed with an obscure musical comedy troupe in the UK at the time. And, uh, and would perform, presumably perform this song. At the same time in the 70s? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nicely done, boys. <laughs> They're good little dog. They're good dogs. Uh, FaceTime with Kermit? We got the talk spot here. So this talk spot's basically... Um, all these chickens and roosters and pigs. Yeah. And Jim mentions how he feels at home with all the uh, barnyard uh, life. Especially Miss Piggy. Who's looking beautiful in this gauzy turquoise number. Yeah. That's a yeah. really nice look for her. And the tables have kind of turned here on the guests. Because normally it's Kermit having his way with whatever female guest is currently on yes. and this time it's piggy and she is like you know she's kind of gripping him a little bit what do you think of that tan uh blazer he's got oh he's it's like a, a champion of like leisure suit fashion that a that's a mustard a, what's it what kind of shirt is it? it's not it's a, a turtleneck tur no it's a mock turtleneck this might be an early uh, viewing of a mock turtleneck that is definitely made of polyester, like a lot of polyester. Good God! So they're—I mean—they're they're talking about their astrological signs. Very and, and hip. And, very uh, hip. Jim's a Gemini. 
He's got twin personalities. Yeah, and Kermit reveals because he can he's a sing tourist. opera. Okay, and Jim's operatic voice blasts Kermit off his little pred- uh his little uh, perch there, which is exactly what it should do. Yeah, and Kermit reveals he's a Taurus, which uh, I like that. Yeah, it makes sense because his birthday is May 9th. Yep. Okay, we got the backstage again, and this time Fozzie's getting hit, uh, getting a word in. I think Fozzie's a little suspicious of him, which is exactly right. Cause no, no. Fozzie's... Yeah, you're right. He, he, he is very suspicious of him at first until he finds out the jokes that Scooter's been dropping on him are quite good. Hmm. He's like, oh, hey, where, where'd you go, buddy? Give me a few more. Yeah, Fozzie's more definitely jokes. that, like, threatened personality because... His like passive aggressive stuff. Like it's Scooter's passive aggressive and Fozzie's passive aggressive, like right. butting against each other. Absolutely. Okay, so this is where the content warnings comes in. Because we have Wayne and Wanda here after a quick introduction by Sam the Eagle. Uh, they're performing the song <laughs> Indian Love Call, which And by Indian they mean Native American. Correct. They mean mean native. <laughs> um So this song, uh it's a song from 1952. Uh, oh, no. So this song uh, was originally in a operetta uh, called Rosemary. Um, and the interesting thing about that operetta is you get the characters characters played by Jeanette McDonald and Nelson Eddy. And when you look at those characters, they're basically what Wayne and Wanda are. Oh, nice. So not only does this song come from that opera, we have Wayne and Wanda performing it. So this, the song Indian Love Call, it's an, as we mentioned, an, an opera, and it's became most popular, I guess, in 1952 when Slim Whitman released a version of it um, as his second single, and the song peaked at number two on the country charts. Um, people our age, or maybe even you know, younger may remember it from the movie Mars Attacks, hmm. uh, where it's the song that makes the Martians' heads explode. No shit, I haven't movie? seen that in forever. I did yeah. not realize that. That's yeah. what it so was. So that's the that's the song Pardon that's playing. My language. Um, no kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just more opera, and uh, I guess where the content warning comes in was that. Uh, Wanda gets very upset when a, a Muppet resembling a Native American comes in. And she's she's visibly upset by his presence. That he was the one that was summoned by the by the song. Yep. And that segment lasted fifteen times longer than the actual skit. Uh, than the description <laughs> of the of the uh, skit. Yeah, it's true. It was a very short, very classic short Wayne and Wanda. Classic Wayne and Wanda. But we did want to talk about that. Correct. A lot of opera in this episode. I think it's a, I, th- I think it's important to give opera its time. Like I, I'm not a huge opera fan, but the people who have dedicated themselves to developing that skill are really impressive. Truly. And now it's Fozzie. And before he even came on, Statler and Waldorf were were Hackling Kermit. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Fozzie's gonna try to make a deal with Statler and Waldorf. He's like, I will sell you. I'll sell you my best joke. Fozzie tries to make a deal with Statler and Waldorf. Um, he says, he'll tell you his best joke, and if you don't laugh, he'll never come out on stage again. What's Fozzie do? He tells his worst joke, they love it, and Statler decides that they're probably uh, going senile. 
Wow. Either going soft or senile. That's not a lady. That was my lunch. Oh, the cannibal, the cannibal uh, joke. Yeah. So yeah, that was the, the worst joke. So his worst joke involves <laughs> it's his uh, this girl he was walking around with actually being his lunch because he's a cannibal. It's a pretty bad joke. Yeah, first stage is senility. All right, next up we have a skit. In the in the bit is, huh? Rolf. Rolf. <laughs> I say Rolf. <laughs> Jim is playing a security guard at a bakery, and Rolf fucking breaks. <laughs> Jim's playing a security guard at a bakery, and Rolf Rolf breaks in. Um, and the whole bit with this is basically m- making, uh, not making fun, but kind of making fun of Jim's uh, accent. Jim tells him to put his hand, his hands up. I can't even say it. Up and uh, he holds up some hens. Put your hands up. Hands up, and he holds up chickens. Jim asks, uh, you know, what rat do I do you have to be here? And then he presents him a rat. rat. Yep. So it's just like. It is the southern stereotype. I went back. Yeah, we'll go back to its accent. Based in hillbilly humor. Yep. Yeehaw came out in 1969. So, and still. It was going. probably leading. Yeah, they went for 26 seasons. Yeehaw. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, we're back to Scooter and Fozzie. Yep. And uh, Fozzie tells Scooter a joke. Let me tell you about my nearsighted cousin. He's so rich, his automobile is fitted with a prescription windshield. Scooter's like. Okay, tell me about him. So, kind of fell a little flat there. Mm-hmm. Scooter's not down with it, but Scooter does tell Fozzie uh, that he's a fan. So that makes it feel good. But Fozzie's a little mad at the end. He's like, oh, you're lucky your uncle owns this place. So it does come back around on him. So, Kermit introduces Jim, who is singing one of my favorites. Thank God I'm a Country mm-hmm. Boy uh, by John Denver. And Jim is backed by the Gogolala Jubilee Jug Band, who we have seen before. They're good. They've got a bunch of teeth. He's, uh... Got the chickens. Yep, he's in a barnyard set here. Their feathers look really nice. Yep, kind of multiple Camillas there. The, uh, the, the jug band is providing backup. It's great. He's so funny because he's like he's such a good singer, but he's also just such a like visual comedian. So he's just hamming it up. Look at that psychedelic sunflower shirt he's got on under yeah. that denim jacket. It's, it's a early Hawaiian shirt. Oh. So yeah, as I mentioned, uh, he's singing "Thank God I'm a Country Boy," which of course was a number one hit for John Denver in 1975. And this is the first appearance of any sort of John Denver material. Really. Uh, with the Muppets, um, but it will of course not be the last. No, uh, um, John, John Denver De- is a Muppet, like He's just basically an a, honorary Muppet. Correct. Um, John Denver uh, will be will be a guest star coming up on episode four hundred one. Gosh, we got mm. time before we get there. But I mean, I I don't even know if I have time to go through and record nope. the Christmas album with me. He hosted a television special. We'll save that for two, John Denver too. Television specials. Uh, Gone fishing. That's true. I can't just get. (laughs) Basically, up until his death, sadly, John Denver 
was and will always be a Muppet. Okay, I'm sorry. But today we're talking about Jim Neighbors. I know. I and he also kind of is a Muppet, like with his like comedic face. Yep, yep. I think he could have had like more time with them, but he. Uh, he's a busy man. He's a busy man. Everybody wanted to hang out with him, which I love. He really just has a super cartoon face, which is great. Absolutely. So in closing, uh, Jim mentions to Kermit how Scooter was basically trailing him the whole time. Uh, Scooter picked up his coffee, picked up his wardrobe, even picked up his accent. Oh, and, God. Yep. Yeah, uh, Gomer Pyle sort of had a catchphrase. I mean, I'll say it. I don't know if it's wrong now. The, the accent, but well, golly, can you even, can you, can you do that? Maybe not as a Mainer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was his catchphrase and, and, uh, Scooter definitely picked up his accent. Yeah, Muppet Mob. And he gets mobbed at the end. Classic Muppet mobbing, Fozzie's mugging, Kermit's chasing after Fozzie, <clears throat> more mugging, and then they drop into the, uh, the credits. What'd you think of, uh, Jim Neighbors, or the I episode. I think he's a strong, talented man. Okay. I liked this episode, but I almost liked it more for what the Muppets were doing. I yeah. liked, the, I liked uh, money, I liked the musical stuff, but Jim Neighbors was great, and it's more like, it, he definitely reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, who do we have next? We got Florence Henderson nice. next. Nice. And that's going to be fan- Fantastic. No, that's a classic TV broad. Like I said, uh, I think we uh, have found ourselves in a good little spot here with guests. Yep. I'm, I'm really, I continue to look forward to each episode. As do I. So thank you for joining us for more It's the Muppet Show podcast. Check us check us out at itsthemuppetshowpodcast.com. You can also listen and watch clips with us on YouTube at slash it's the Muppet Show podcast where you can like and subscribe us if you want like and subscribe till then we'll just see you next time <laughs>